Good morning, good morning. How are you guys doing? Happy Sunday.
You are worthy, Lord Jesus. We worship you. We thank you. We thank you for giving your life for people who hated you. You were filled with such love. You loved us when we didn't love you back. You loved us when we were in darkness. You reached out to us. You gave your life. You gave your all. Hallelujah. You bore so that we would not need bear. The effects of sin, of hell, and we thank you for it. And we worship you. We thank you that you're our Prince of Peace. In this world that is full of storms, we can be at peace. Because we serve you, the Prince of Peace. And so, Father, we just thank you for the peace of God in our church family and in our families, Lord. We lift them up to you, that you strengthen each one by your spirit. We declare strength, we declare healing, we declare wisdom, we declare direction, any areas those have needs, Father. We thank you that the presence of God and the word of God rises up and meets that need in Jesus' name. If you can agree with that, say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, other states and even parts of California have snowstorms. And so what you came to church in, well, I guess it really wasn't that stormy out today. But anyway, this is our, this is our snow. This is our blizzard. Amen. It's good to see you in church. Praise the Lord. Before you are seated, if, why don't you greet several people, introduce yourself to them, find out their name. We're going to dismiss the children from age four through fifth grade to their class at this time. You can go to the back door and be escorted to your class there. For those of you who are worshiping with us online through Facebook and YouTube, we're glad that you're watching and we know that you are, <laughs> we know that you are, someone's waving to me, uh, we know <laughs> that you'll be blessed by the word of God today. I don't even know who that is. Who is that back there? Anyway, I can't see him. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, good morning, everybody. Amen. If this is your first time that you are worshiping with us today, we are happy that you're with us and trust that you'll feel among family today. Uh, in the seat in front of you, there are connect cards. If you would fill out one of those and just uh, give us some information about yourself. If there's anything that we can do as far as praying with you or assisting you in any way, you can let us know through that card as well as those who regularly attend our church, communicate with us that way if there's, if there's anything that you need. Amen. Uh, when you came in today, um, let's see, you should have been given a little card. Uh, did everybody get a little card? Yeah. And um, so thank you. Uh, <laughs> I forgot your names. Who had that printed up? I forgot your last names. Holbrooks. Oh, gosh. I was say, yes, the Holbrooks. Uh, I knew that. Anyway, um, the Holbrooks. 
had those printed up for us so that we could have those. We appreciate that so much. You should have gotten that. If not, you can find one at the Information Center. It's just uh, something that the Lord gave uh, Pastor Mike to declare over ourselves and of, over our church family this year. Uh, this is our 37th year anniversary month, and so happy anniversary to us. Yeah. And so I thought that I would give you, um, okay, so Pastor Mike and I started this, this last year. We started thinking about people who have, uh, were a part of our church or were raised in our church who have gone into the ministry or who have been pastors. And so we were driving in the car one day, and we couldn't remember everybody, but I started writing them down in my phone of everybody that we could remember. You know, 37 years is a little bit of time. And so uh, we had to kind of go back in our memory, and um, so I started writing them down in my phone. And as time has gone on, every once in a while we'll go, oh, and so-and-so, some folk keep in touch with us, some of the pastors, some different ones, they keep in touch with us, and we keep in touch with them, so they're at the top of our uh, memory. But others, we don't keep in touch with so much, and we go, oh, yeah, and so-and-so, oh, that's right, let's write them on our list. So this list is still ongoing, but it's a good list, and we're thankful for it, so I thought I would share that with you. So, from, so uh, that we know of thus far, 13 pastors have come from our church over the course of that time. 13 pastors, and they are faithful pastors, and a, numer a number of them keep in touch with us and uh, still listen to Pastor Mike, too. And um, so you know they got to be good if they're still listening to Pastor Mike, tongue-in-cheek. Okay, and then we have four who are in the children's ministry, two who are worship pastors, six who are youth pastors. Oh, no, I have... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then five who are uh, like leaders in their churches who are kind of like top leaders. So our list is ongoing. So next year for our 38th, we will let you know. We will let you know if those numbers change. But we're thankful. Praise the Lord for uh, the faithfulness of people. Amen. To serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Men, tomorrow night uh, you have a barbecue. Well, it's no longer going to be a barbecue at George Fortune's house because we don't expect all of you to wear rain gear. And so it's been moved to the church tomorrow night here. Um, what time does that start? 7, 6.30. Start, starts at 6.30. 5.30? Okay. Well, thank you. I, you guys are great. Just shout out the answer. I love it. Um, okay, 5.30 here at the church because it's going to supposed to be 100% chance of rain tomorrow. So men, join us tomorrow night, and um, Pastor Chip can correct me from whatever I have said wrong. We have our mom's group this week, uh, this Thursday at 10 a.m. Uh, we have free babysitting. We'll have breakfast together, and then we have been uh, discussing the book, uh, Who Stole Cinderella uh, by Denise Renner. It's a, um, a book on marriage. And so um, join us moms this Thursday at 
10 a.m., free babysitting. And then the following week, on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, we have our ladies' Bible study, and um, we invite you to come to that, too. We, always, we have a charcuterie board and uh, fellowship. We uh, study, and then also we have a little bit of a time of prayer together as well. Um, uh, then uh, we needed to let you know, for those of you who maybe have been at the church for a while and you do not already know, Mike Murray went home to be with the Lord this last week. Uh, Mike and April haven't been attending our church for maybe about 10 years, but they did for a number of years. And so if there are those of you that didn't know, he did go home to be with the Lord. If you're interested in knowing about his memorial service, you can contact the church office and we can give more more information there. Uh George Gutierrez uh, asked for prayer for us today, which we will which we'll pray for him uh, when we pray over the offering. He is um, having uh, surgery um, this week, and just ask for agreement um, re- that the doctor's hands would be guided by. God and that he would have a supernatural recovery. Um, it's a little bit more of a complicated surgery, um, but um, they're believing for, for successful surgery. So we will agree with them and pray with them. We're going to invite the ushers to come at this time. We're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings. You can find an envelope in the chair in front of you, or you can give electronically. Praise the Lord. And then I just want to read one scripture uh, while they're coming. And um, this is in 1 Corinthians and from the English Standard Version. The point is, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all time, in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Hallelujah. So Lord, we are cheerful, prompt to do it givers. You have been so good to us. Father, you have blessed us. You have taken care of us. You meet our needs in times that we're not even aware of it and we're grateful for it. And so we don't give under compulsion today. We don't give in our lives uh, because of fear or because we feel like we must do it. Oh, Father, no. We give it uh, freely. We give it with thankfulness. We give it to be a blessing and knowing that you will open the windows of heaven to us. And so we declare over our church family, Father, and we thank you that you provide for them. We thank you, Father, that there is peace in their homes, and we thank you, Lord, that you protect each family in Jesus' name. And then, Lord, we also agree with George regarding his surgery this week, Father. We thank you that you guide the doctor's hands. We thank you that the great physician, Jesus, oversees that operation. We declare that it goes smoothly with the peace of God. You give insight to the doctors, and we thank you, Father. He has a supernatural recovery in the name of Jesus. And if you can agree with that, say amen. Amen. Well, once you've been given the chance to give in the offering, would you stand and worship with us one last time?
Sing over you, my worthy 
worship you. We magnify your holy name. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us, for all that you're doing, and for things yet to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's make our confession. This is our year of Jubilee. We expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost in power. We believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Hallelujah. We want to start this morning in John chapter 15. We started a series last Sunday morning on Steps to Answered Prayer. It's a series that we've taught many times in, the, uh, in this church. It's something we've broadcast and rebroadcast on the TV program over the years as well. It's one of the most life-changing teachings for me when I first heard Brother Hagen teach it. It was something that really straightened me out in some things concerning my prayer life. And it's proven to be so fruitful in my life. There just aren't many things that are higher on the list of things that I've learned over the years. And so we want to start in John chapter 15, verse 7. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Notice how many times the word you is in there. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Folks, scriptures, verses of scripture like this drive some Christians crazy because there's a, a, a doctrine that was espoused by John Calvin several years, several hundreds of years ago that leaves the understanding 
or the idea of the sovereignty of God that trumps everything. And as a result, there are a lot of the church world, a lot of people in the church world that never find the will of God. And if you don't know the will of God, you certainly can't pray according to his will. We have to remember that God created man to have dominion. Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says, God said, let us make man in our own image and after our own likeness and let them have dominion and authority over the work of our hands. God puts you and me on this world, in this earth, to determine and to decide how we want certain things to go. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you by my Father in heaven. Step number one to steps to answered prayer is to decide what you want from God and find scriptures that promise you those things. I think a lot of Christians make mistakes because they pray too quickly. Now, in times of emergency, there are certain things that come up where we don't have time to put a lot of preparation into our prayer but most things can wait for a couple of days and would be better and we would be better served if we spent some time searching the scriptures finding what the bible says about certain the subjects that that concern us God's word is his will. The Bible says that Jesus was the word made flesh. That means there's an equality between God's word and, God's, and God himself. Faith begins where the will of God is known. And so many people fail to determine or ascertain the will of God. And so they miss out on the things that Jesus died for us to have. So step number one is to decide what you want from God and find scriptures that promise you those things. You may remember in 1 John chapter 5, John said this, verse 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desired of him. John breaks it down pretty simply. He says this very specifically, if we can get God to hear us, we can get the answers to our prayer. And the key to having been heard by God the Father 
is if we pray his will. Praying the will of God is praying the word of God. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. As I said, there are many people in the body of Christ that go crazy over this because they don't identify or they can't understand that God's will is his word. And they don't necessarily know that the devil will come when we do pray to our Heavenly Father. The devil will come and assault us with doubts and fears and many times use circumstances to try to talk us out of what the Bible says belongs to us. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. The Bible tells us that when Moses went off the scene, God left Joshua to take his place to be the leader of the children of Israel. And God is talking to Joshua and giving him specific instructions. I'm going to back up and start in verse 1. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, thou and all these people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea going, unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Here's God giving Joshua instructions on how to take Moses' place. Now folks, Moses stood in a place with God that no one else really did. He experienced things with God that boggled our minds. He went up onto Mount Sinai in the midst of the, the biggest display of thunders and lightnings and so forth. Moses declared that things were so strong and the power of God was so prevalent that he was afraid for his life. He experienced things. Obviously, Jesus hadn't come and paid the price for sin, so he couldn't be born again. He couldn't be saved. 
And as an unsaved individual that had dedicated his life to God, the service of God, he was witness to things that we can only imagine. So here's Joshua taking Moses' place. And God tells him, he makes some specific promises and commitments to him. He said, I'll be with you like I was with Moses, and no man shall be able to stand before your face. But then he starts telling him to be courageous, be strong and of good courage. He says it several times, only be thou strong and very courageous. Now, some of that doesn't seem to fit together in my thinking. When God starts telling Joshua what he will do for him, and of course we know that the, the work, the great work of Joshua leading the children of Israel is taking them over into the promised land. Forty years earlier, they had come to this very same spot and the ten spies went into the land of Canaan to spy out the land. I said 10, there were 12 of them that originally went. And they came back and brought the fruit of the, the land as proof that it was a land that flowed with milk and honey, just like God said. But 10 of the, the 12 spies came back with what the Bible calls an evil report, saying that there were giants in the land and the cities had walls around them and there's no way that they could be able to take control of the, the land and defeat the people therein. Caleb and Joshua, however, came back with a different story. They saw the same circumstances that the other ten did. They saw the same cities with walls around them. And it's speaking primarily of Jericho. That part of it was anyway. They saw the strength of the people. They saw what the people had built and the cities that they inhabited. They saw all the same things that the ten that said they couldn't take possession of the land saw. But their report was that because God was with them, they could do it. They knew, they understood that God's presence with them that he had displayed with parting of the Red Sea and the children of Israel going over on dry ground and the destruction of the Egyptian army when they chased after them and the sea collapsed together upon them. They saw the same things. Everybody in the story saw the same thing. But Caleb and Joshua said God was with them. They could do it. Now here's 40 years later, they come to the same place, same promised land, same city of Jericho across the Jordan River. And God tells Joshua, only be strong and very courageous. It seems like at least in many people's estimation. You know, a lot of people in the body of Christ will say, 
things like, well, if God wants me to have it, he'll do it. He'll bring it to pass upon me or for me. But that's not the way the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us that God reveals his will, which he did here to Joshua. He revealed that his will was for the people of Israel to take hold of the promised land, take possession of the promised land. That was God's will 40 years earlier, too. God doesn't change his will over time because time doesn't cause him to change his will in any way whatsoever. So he told Joshua to be strong and very courageous. Now his promise is that no man will be able to stand before you. You'll never lose a battle, in other words. Well, if God has already made the promise that you're going to be victorious, then what's the need to be strong and of good courage? To be very courageous, to be told by God to be courageous, seems to imply that there are going to be real difficult situations, difficult circumstances that may make it look like or appear that their victory is not assured. So he tells him several times, only be strong and very courageous. Now then he gives him the, instru the instruction that will make him strong and will make him courageous. Verse 8, the book of this, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Then he talks to him about being courageous again. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Folks, there's one thing and only one thing that will make you strong and of good courage, and that's the Word of God. God gives Joshua, very early in the history of the children of Israel, especially pertaining to the promised land, God gives him instruction on how to be strong and of good courage. He says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein. Now, meditation has to have something to do with the mouth. Bible meditation isn't sitting in a lotus position and humming like we imagine with certain Eastern religions and things like that. Meditation, Bible, scriptural meditation is speaking the word to yourself. Not letting the word depart out of thy mouth. Now as soon as the word departs from your mouth, there's only one thing you can do to keep it in your mouth, and that is to say it again. This word meditate, one meaning of this word meditate is to uh, mutter, M-U-T-T-E-R. It's talking about saying something to yourself over and over and over again. Now, 
this is one mistake that I see a lot of Christians make. When people come to me and ask me to agree with them in prayer or pray for them about something, I'll always ask them, what scriptures are they standing on? And it's not an uncommon thing at all for them to not have an answer or to say something similar or vague, just that they're standing on their understanding that God wants them to to be healed or to be blessed or whatever, but they don't have specific scriptures to base that that stand or to base their faith on. So God told Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Now the rest of your time is yours, but meditation belongs to the day and the night hours. Now the purpose for meditating in the word of God is to be a doer of the word. Because it's the doer of the word that's blessed, not the hearer of the word. James writes to the church, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. A lot of Christians are deceiving themselves because they're not doers of the word. They're hearers of it, but they don't act on it. Now notice the result in Joshua 1.8 that comes from meditating in the word. Not letting it depart from their mouth but speaking the word of God over and over and over again. He said, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Notice it's not even God that prospers you. It's you that makes your own way prosperous. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Excuse me. And thou shalt have good success. One translation says, thou shalt deal wisely in the affairs of life. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. A lot of people discount or refuse to believe that God wants to prosper you and that God wants all of his children to be a success. Well, if God didn't want to prosper you and if God didn't want you to be a success, why did he tell you the way to do it? God gives instruction, specific instruction on how to live a successful life, on how to walk in his will and how to defeat the enemy at every turn. Meditating in the word is the only way to get the word in your heart. And it's important, particularly when it comes to prayer, that you know specifically what you're asking God for and that you know specifically what scriptures 
promise you those things. To find the scriptures that you base your prayer on is of utmost importance. It's hard to think or say that there would be anything more important than that. But we have to understand that the devil is going to come against us and he's going to try to make us doubt that God heard our, our prayer. He's going to try to make us doubt that the answer is ours. And the only way that we can overcome that is to get these scriptures, the promises of God firmly fixed in our hearts. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Notice he's talking about increasing in strength, being strong in the Lord. Doesn't say a word about being strong in yourself. It talks about being strong in the Lord. And it tells us, it warns us about the devil's one and only one way that he attacks us. Notice it talks about standing against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles means traveling over. And what it's telling us is that there's one and only one road that the devil takes. There's one and only one road that the devil travels. And that's the road where he brings doubts, thoughts of doubt, circumstances, etc., to make us doubt God's word that he heard us and that he answers our prayer. And it talks about putting on the, putting on the whole armor of God for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high or heavenly places. He's telling us that the devil and evil spirits will come against us. And he'll come, they will come to deceive us, to try to talk us out of standing in faith and believing God. But it says that if we've done everything there is to do to stand, then we are to stand. Here's the preparation that we make or should make having done all to stand, having taken every opportunity to fill the word of God, fill our hearts with the word of God. To prepare ourselves for the good fight of faith. That's the only thing the Bible tells us to fight against. 
is unbelief. Doesn't tell us any time to, there's no place where it tells us to fight against people. It doesn't tell us to fight against wrong doctrine. It doesn't tell us to fight against false prophets or false apostles. The only fight there is for the, the believer is the fight of faith. And the only way you can win that fight is to make sure that your heart is filled with the word of God, the promises that you're standing on, the things that God has told us to prove that he hears and answers prayer. Having done all to stand, stand. Having done all to stand, stand. Matthew chapter 4 tells us about when Jesus was attacked by the devil. He fasted for 40 days preparing himself for the ministry that God has for him. And the devil comes with three different temptations. And Jesus responds to his deceitful works in the same way each time. And he says, it is written. Jesus said it this way. He said, let these sayings sink down into your ears. He's talking about meditating in the word. He's talking about letting the word of God be the foundation of our lives in every respect. The power of meditating in the word was made very real to me when I was working with Brother Hagen and still in Bible school in 1980. We were just beginning to, school was letting out or had just let out, and we were going on crusades to the northeast part of the country. And the Lord spoke to my heart and told me to seek his face. Now, I was aware that the psalm said a lot about seeking the face of God. David talked a lot about seeking the face of God. But how do you seek the face of God? David acknowledged that he did, that he sought God's face, but he never really gave us any instruction on what that means or how to do it. And so, like I said, this was back in 1980. There were no computers back then, certainly no personal computers or iPads or anything like that to take with you. This was before cell phones. And so I, I took with me on that crusade. We were gone for six weeks. And I took with me on that crusade a strong concordance. Any of you guys remember what those big books were? Huge. They weighed a ton. And I started going through the concordance and looking up every scripture that talked about seeking the face of God. There were several hundreds between three and 350 and three hundred and between 350 and 400 scriptures on seeking the face of God. 
I would go through every morning and I would read through these things. And over a period of time, I got to where I would write them out. I had the understanding that it would be a whole lot easier just to read the scriptures that I wanted to from this list rather than carrying the Strong's Concordance with me everywhere I go. But that was a daunting task to write out three, between 350 and 400 scriptures. I filled up these yellow pages, the, the writing pads, and I was doing everything that I could, but I felt like I was doing a poor job. I was blessed by many of the scriptures that I would read over and over again. But I didn't really feel like I was accomplishing what he wanted me to do. So after that six weeks was over, we went back to Tulsa. And I was walking upstairs to my office. And I got halfway up those stairs. And all of a sudden, one of the scriptures that I had read during the previous six weeks when we were on the road my mind was illuminated by the Holy Spirit to one of those scriptures and it was Hebrews eleven six. but without faith it's impossible to please God for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him The Lord was trying to impress upon me to believe that he's my rewarder. And as I was walking up the stairs and that revelation came to my heart or came to my mind, really, that was a verse of scripture that was forever placed in my heart because of the way that it came about. Now, folks, why didn't the Holy Ghost just tell me to, to meditate on Hebrews eleven six? Why did the Holy Ghost tell me to seek the face of God rather than just the one or two scriptures that he wanted me to focus on? I don't really have an answer for that. But I'll have to tell you that that six weeks, looking back at it now, where at the time I, I felt like I was doing a poor job, looking back at it now, I realize how blessed I was being just by reading some of those scriptures that pertain to seeking God's face. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Within a couple of days from that realization or the Lord dropping that one scripture down on the inside of me into my heart, I got a, a raise on my job that was more than double the money that I was making. 
Now, folks, I know that you don't know much about things in this sense concerning Kenneth Hagin Ministries and so forth. But for them to double my salary, which wasn't a lot to begin with, but for them to double my salary was one of the biggest miracles that could have ever been, been, been taken place. They would tell us, encourage us to trust God for money and not depend on the paycheck as our only source of income. And we knew that, they, that God was our source and not them. But I've got to tell you, they tried to prove to us over and over and over again that they weren't our source. The lesson I learned from that was more than just believing God to be a rewarder. The lesson I learned from it was that meditating in the word of God makes the word alive. It brings the truth off the page of the scripture of the Bible. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. God wants you to prosper in everything you do. He wants you to be a good success at everything you attempt. He wants you to be successful in your prayer life. Again, John 15, verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. The fruit he's talking about is getting your prayers answered. Now, folks, this is only one kind of prayer. And the prayer of faith can and will always work for you. We can't always make it work for the other person because they may desire something differently than what we desire for them. But when it comes to this part of our prayer life, and again, it's not the only part, of our prayer life and it shouldn't be the only prayer that the prayer of faith shouldn't be the only kind of prayer that we pray but it is a prayer that changes things it is a prayer that is the only way that we receive from God and if we follow faithfully not much anything works if we're not faithful in it but if we follow faithfully the steps that the Bible outlines for us, we can bring ourselves into a situation where every prayer is heard and answered by God. I think most people have a 
a belief or a thought that prayers are sometimes hit and miss and that no believer could ever say that their prayers are always answered by God the Father. But that's completely opposite what the Bible tells us God wants for our prayer life. I know a lot of people take the position that whatever God wants for them, he'll bring to pass. But the Bible doesn't teach that. Jesus said that your heavenly Father knows what things you have need of before you ask him. He knows what you need, but he still expects you to ask. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Folks, reading your Bible is good. It's good to, to get in a habit or a routine of reading your, the scriptures every day. But I've got to tell you, you'll grow for, uh, go further and grow th stronger in your Christian life by taking a verse of scripture and meditating on it every day than seeing how many chapters of the Bible you can read. One of the greatest blessings that we can experience is hearing from the Lord on what scriptures or what truths he wants us to put in our heart. I know that having the Holy Ghost bring scriptures to my remembrance, scriptures concerning healing for the physical body or deliverance for the soul. There are scriptures that the Lord has made so real to me. Things that have kept me from going under just because the, the creator of the universe takes an interest in who we are and how we do in this world. Mark chapter 11 Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. Better translation of that is have the faith of God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Therefore I say unto you, verse 24, 
Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire. Again, it's talking about your desires, not God. But if we're finding scripture that promises us the things that we want from God, then we're already identifying his will. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Folks, the sky's the limit when it comes to our prayer life. If we find scriptures to base our prayer on, then we've already identified the will of God. Decide what you want from God and then find scriptures that promise you those things. Let those scriptures get firmly fixed in your heart and not just in your mind. Put those scriptures into your heart and be ready to use them against the devil and the devil's forces when he comes and brings thoughts of doubt to your mind. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. What a privilege it is to learn your word. What a privilege it is to meditate in your word and fill our hearts with the truth that you've given to us. Father, we thank you that our prayer life doesn't have to be hit and miss, but instead we can always receive an answer from you. Father David said, if he had not had the word of God, he would have fainted. Your word puts us over every time, Lord. We love you, Father. And we trust in you. You are our light and our salvation. And because of that, we are not afraid. You are the strength of our lives. And therefore, there is no one for us to fear. Thank you, Father, that every word that we speak comes to pass. Every prayer to receive from you is answered. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Well, let's make our confession again before we go. This is our year of Jubilee. We expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost and power. We believe in financial miracles and miracles of healing. In Jesus' name.